Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. Well, good morning again. First and foremost, I'd like to make sure that we can say a good prayer for Mark and his family as he takes a well-deserved weekend off. We hope everything is going good for him and look forward to seeing him next weekend. Um... Today's sermon, Don't Think on the Enemy, seems kind of straightforward enough. Nice short sentence, easy. But I think sometimes if we look closely at what's going on in the world today, we might be kind of stumbling on that concept a little bit. So as we said back in my Coast Guard days, I'm going to ask you to go on a little bit of refresher training with me for about 20 minutes on some, some, some key things, I think, that need to be reminded of us. We're going to talk about love, faith, and obedience. And we'll get to the don't think on your enemy part, but there's going to be a conglomerate. We're going to pull it all together by the time this is over with. So pray with me if you would, please. Lord, we thank you for these words. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How many times have we heard or discussed the Sermon on the Mount? As we all know, this is the introduction to Jesus' ministry. And from a showstopper point of view, this is the most incredible opening act of all time. Jesus said things on that day that shook the very nature and understanding of the people in his day. And when we read it and talk about it today, I still think it shakes the earth. The things he said. It's not what you hear normally. And sometimes we have to sit back and we'll go, did he really say that? And the answer is, yeah, he did. Now, we all know how the sermon starts. You know, it's blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But when we go down and dig down a little further, he continues talking about in the sermon what believers be in the light of the world. He did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. He told of how murder begins in the heart, about marriage. He talked about oaths, and that for an eye for an eye is out, and how we are to love our enemies. The things he said and how he said them weren't exactly what Jesus' people were used to hearing. They were in times of oppression, constantly in wars, fighting all the time. You have to believe after they heard that, they kind of go, how can this be? Now, before I go on, I want to make sure I can lay a quick foundation as to why Jesus was able to say what he said. You have to be able to understand and believe John 1, verse 1, that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. You see, John was talking about Jesus being God. Now, I'm not going to get into a deep discussion about the Trinity, but it is critical to understand the Trinity. In my opinion, part of the problem with the modern church 
is we e have either forgotten what the Trinity is, how it applies to us, or for the, for the sake of political correctness, we set it aside the truth as to who Jesus actually was. Jesus was God in the flesh. Part of who we are is contained in our DNA. There are other parts such as our, excuse me, as our upbringing, our teachings, our experiences, and our beliefs, but every one of us, same thing, we all have a DNA as to who we are. And in Jesus' case, his words and his actions proved, absolutely proved, that he was God incarnate. Later in John 8, Jesus declares, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was there from the beginning. Jesus in the Spirit went in the Garden of Eden. Jesus in the Spirit was there with Abraham, there with Moses, there with Abraham, there with Noah, through all the prophets, even during the times when Israel and Judah were war with each other. He was there in the Spirit. Jesus and the Spirit was there from the very beginning. Now, unbeknownst to the people of Jesus' day, they were actually getting to hear the words of God himself. And today, when we open this book, we can see and hear those same words. How good is that? How good is that? So, if you want to draw your attentions, particularly to the portion of the sermon, open your pew Bibles to Matthew 5. We're going to start in verse 43, go to 48. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Folks, there is so much going on in those verses. So much. It was one thing for Jesus to say, you shall love your neighbor. But when we heard him say, you shall love your enemy, when I first read that, I was driving my car off into the ditch. I didn't know where I was going with that one. Now remember, enemies throughout time were to be hated, despised, warred against, plans were drawn up to be implemented at, a, at the drop of a hat when the enemy showed up. Whether today or 3,000 years ago, the enemies we have and the enemies we prepare, we prepare for, unfortunately, we may have a distinct history with them. In all probability, we played a role, and that's whether we want to admit it or not. And it's a hard thing to admit it's just something that we, we struggle with. Satan oftentimes, for his benefit, keeps us in this constant state of the Hatfields and the McCoys. Or there's the, also there's the Carters and the Wakefields. Everybody know who the Carters and the Wakefields are? I know Hatfields and McCoy gets all the credit. 
Carter's Wakefield, season one, Andy Griffith. Great show. Great show. The entire show is talking about a feud that nobody knows how it started. Show starts off, these two kids come into Sheriff Taylor's house, want to get married. Father's bust in, rifle's drawn. He ain't marrying one of mine and she ain't marrying one of his. All show long. 87-year-old feud. Nobody's ever been hurt. Nobody's been shot. Can't figure out how it started. But boy, there was some hating going on throughout that show. As funny as it was, Sheriff Taylor would sit there, why are you feuding? Because he's a Wakefield. Why are you feuding? Because he's a Carter. No explanation whatsoever. At one point, Sheriff Taylor goes to uh, one of them's house and he's sitting on his front porch, just blindly shooting into the woods. What you shooting at? Thought I saw a Wakefield. Clueless, but just shooting away. Shooting, shooting, shooting. Now today, sometimes that shooting is not so funny. That show is hilarious, but today's shooting's not so funny. Sometimes our enemy situations are going to be hurtful. We let them become stressful. We let them just get under our skin and it just crushes us. So how can we love our enemy? Well, part is, if Jesus says we can do it, you better believe we can. He's not going to tell us to do something that we can't do. He's not going to tell us to do something that he hasn't already confirmed away. Even possibly given us a... a, a a road map on how to do it. The basic example of faith is that we can do it. We have to believe that we can. When we talked about earlier, we're going to do love, faith, and obedience. Real quick. Huge examples of faith throughout the Bible. True faith has been shown to reap rewards because true faith pleases God. As simple as that. True faith pleases God. God. So when I get to this point, I want to make sure that I can encapsulate it and I want to go to one, one section about enemies. Because Jesus understood enemies. He understood what we needed. He understood that in our own ability, we're going to have our work cut out for us if we were left to just our own ability. But one verse just really gets me. And that's Proverbs 16 and verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Let me say that again, y'all. When a man's ways pleases the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So how, 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 how do we need to please the Lord then? Well, Hebrews eleven six 6 declares, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In Hebrews eleven one, 1, we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. One of my favorite pastors, Charles Stanley, he writes, Faith proclaims our weakness 
while also proclaiming the trustworthiness of God and his complete and willing ability to do what we cannot do. A lack of faith insults God because it puts foolish confidence in ourselves. Faith also requires obedience. Leg number two. Back in Hebrews 6, we read that the rewards of faith are those that diligently seek him. I can assure you diligence and obedience have an operational connect. They do go hand in hand. They're woven throughout the universe. When God commands us to obey him, he has given us a principle to live by. He's also setting a framework for our lives that forms a hedge of protection against us and protects us from evil. Disobedience has repercussions. Ever since the Garden of Evil, Eden, he knows. But if we obey him, he'll pull us closer and teach, more about, and teach us more about his love. But lastly, but not least, there's love. Church, you will not obey the Lord if you don't love him. You won't. Everybody knows the, you know, the version of, uh, of the Ten Commandments section. You shall have no gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself a carved image. But don't just stop there. Keep on going. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, but showing mercy to those who love me and keep my commandments. Oh, I love mercy. I'm all about the mercy. I need it. Need it bad. We all do. But look at John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's beautiful. It don't get no better than that. Don't get no See, Jesus has always known what faith is. Jesus has always known what obedience is. And Jesus has always known what love is. And Jesus meant exactly what he said when he said it. And he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 2 John 1, 6 further declares, and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. But we got a lot of difficult, we find so much difficulty in, in being obedient and following his commands and we try to do a lot of figuring out on our own. We're not going to figure it out on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. We try to put us in our brain first instead of God and our faith in him first. John 1 says, 1 John, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Only when we try to obey God through our own power do his commandments feel burdensome we try to do it on our own we're, we're not going to have a lot of luck when we rely on the power of the holy spirit that lives within us that enables us to do what we can't in and of ourselves obedience does not feel as burdensome because we're, we rely on him you know, overcoming the temptation to do it ourselves is a very difficult thing to do. 
But overcoming is exactly what he wants us to do. How important is overcoming? Go to Revelation. God describing the seven churches, the faithful church, the dead church, the persecuted church, the compromising church, the lukewarm church, the loveless church, and the corrupt church. With each church, God reminds us to each one what will happen if it overcomes. It would specifically be able to sit with God at the throne to make them a pillar that they would be clothed in white garments, that they would be given power of all nations, they would be given hidden manna to eat. Overcoming is a big deal in God's eyes, and he wants us to overcome that temptation to go it alone. We need him every single moment of the day. And in a day like we're having in this world, in this day and age, when we're fighting and we're arguing, there's a lot of supposed enemies out there. So you're wrong if you think overcoming is not important. So this morning, love like faith cannot be separated from obedience. So you see, this morning, we're gonna, we started talking about enemies. We read what Jesus said about the enemies. We started talking about feuding enemies, both real and imagined. We discovered what Proverbs said, what the Lord will do with our enemies. And now we can start talking about our enemies. But before we get into it, I want to run something by you. And I'm not, I didn't go to seminary. I'm not a theologian. But everything I read in the Bible leads me to one, one thought. The Lord never intended for us to have enemies. Now, I'm not talking about Satan. But I'm talking about us. I'm talking about me and you. I'm talking about our sisters and our brothers in town. I don't think the Lord ever intended for us to have enemies. In the old covenant, we were always told to love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. In the new covenant, Jesus confirmed the same thing. And I think we clarified earlier this morning that the Lord meant every single word he said. He expected us to obey and abide in his word. I don't think he meant for us to have enemies. So what happened? We blindly shooting off the porch. Again, not knowing what we're shooting at, just firing away. Is that what we're doing? Every time we sit and fire off that front porch, sheriff's trying to figure out what are we shooting at? We're running out of ammo these days, it seems like, the more we shoot off that porch. I have a hard time getting my hands around what I need to do. Even when I read the words, I'm, I'm like you guys. You read them, and you go, got it. Then you have to keep reading it. And you have to keep reading it. Because as smart as, smart as we are, sometimes we don't got it. Well, you start thinking about it, and you start thinking about your enemies, and you go, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Or was it because I didn't do anything wrong, or was it because I didn't do anything right when it comes to God's Word? What's right for God? What pleases God? What pleases God that will always be there what pleases the Lord that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? What pleases the Lord 
that gave us the helper in the form of the Holy Spirit what pleases him? The answer is obviously faith, love, and obedience. And we've already talked about how they're connected. And in understanding that connectivity, we're left with one unquestionable truth. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That sounds crazy. Doesn't it? Or does it? One of the numerous established principles that we will find in the Bible is the seed time and harvest principle. It's the reaping and sowing. Now, I'm not going to get into this, but there are things that we may have done from an obedience point of view that we're caught, that some, we're living through some things today. Maybe we created enemies on something we did previously. Maybe. We understand the seed time and harvest principle. Scripturally speaking, there is a very real possibility that some of the things in our life, some of the things in our world, some of the things in our society, we may have played a part in, in creating that enemy. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You know what this tells me? That if we find ourselves with enemies, and we take them on on our own, they're going to remain our enemies. Because I can do nothing without the Lord. And that includes taking on enemies. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. Today, the often repeated catchphrase is about gun control is that we don't have a gun control problem. We have a heart problem. I don't know. As a Christian, I'd like to say we don't have a gun problem. The problem is the number of lives without Jesus in them. Because if Jesus was truly more in the lives of the people in this country, we wouldn't have as much violence. We wouldn't have as much hate. We wouldn't have as much arguing, bickering, murder. With Jesus more in the lives of this country, there'd be more unity, there'd be more harmony, carrying of our brother's burdens. There'd be more conviction, forgiveness, and repentance. If there was more pleasing of Jesus in our lives, we'd feel more conviction in our hearts when we even remotely hurt our brother. It would break our hearts, turn us on a dime, and repent, and completely go the opposite direction if we had enough Jesus in our lives. Instead, we kind of become a society of, it's not my fault, it's your fault, I'm the victim, whatever I do is justified because I'm the offended one. Sometimes people can can be so mad at you. My wife Karen's got this saying, and, and she, she told it to a friend of mine that said, you get so mad at someone, you start hating on someone so bad, you start eating poison, hoping they're going to die. 
You can eat all the poison you want because you hate them enough. They're not going to die. You're going to die. Eat it. That's what we do. What are we eating? Are we eating poison or are we eating God's word? We sit down at the table. We get to decide. Our God tells us to love him with all of our hearts and soul and mind and to love our neighbors as ourselves. No poison involved. Love our neighbors as ourselves. Our God, the singular one that proclaimed before Abraham, he was. And that if we love him, he'll keep it, we'll keep his commands. And that we will more and more diligently seek him. And he says, we shall be rewarded. How's your faith? You believe you're going to be rewarded when you diligently seek him? It's what he wants. And sometimes, after all that knowledge, we make excuses for ourselves by not thinking of the Lord first. When a man's ways pleases the Lord, he will make even his enemies be at peace with him. Listen, every night we go to bed not knowing what tomorrow will bring. Yet every night we go to bed if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And we go off to sleep knowing we're safe. Because we know the resurrection was real and that in faith we know that on our last breath that we're going to be standing in glory with our Lord and Savior. That's as real as it gets. That's not crazy. That's real. We all know that. But if we know that then there's absolutely no reason that we can't know with certainty. That when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he'll make even his enemies be at peace with him. Our Lord, our God, our protector, that's a promise. Now look, this world is always going to have the light being attacked by the darkness. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you start pleasing the Lord, just like that, everything's groovy. Not that way, we know that. But it's a process. And when we start it, don't stop it. Don't stop it. Look, um, I can't tell you what happened to you yesterday. I can't tell you what's happening to you now. But I think we can find a way for a better tomorrow when it comes to enemies. Don't look on the enemy. Look on that cross. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Spend more time thinking about His Word. What He said. Instead of that enemy over there, that supposed enemy. Sometimes you might think they're an enemy. They don't even know who you are. It's just something you heard. But it's got you all fired up. 
Keeps me fired up. I lose sleep at night sometimes. We shouldn't. We all need more Jesus in our lives, and we all need to look more upon him than our enemy. Love him without reservation, without question. Saturate your mind in his word. We won't be perfect in all of our efforts, but God's going to see our efforts. We can't do this on our own with just a little bit of Jesus involved in the process. This country's not going to survive with just a little bit of Jesus. We're proving that day in and day out. We're not going to survive with just a little bit. We need a lot of bit. Know what it means when Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. Because I think many of us have forgotten. And I think that's important. I think that's very important. Restructure your way of thinking. Renew your mind. And then have the faith and the love and obedience. Those three things we mentioned earlier. The love, faith, and obedience. Have that to know He will handle the enemies of the light. Don't look on the enemy. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Spend more of your day looking at Jesus and less of the day on who you think your enemy may or may not be. That cross gave us so much. There's so much tied up into that. Pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing that sometimes we just don't get it. And the more we try to get it on our own, the more of a mess we think we fix, but we just make the mess more. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this day knowing that the love, faith, and obedience creates kind of a a little stand, a little table, if you will. Lord, I ask you to search my heart. Is one of those legs of that table, is it loose? Do I need to screw in tighter that love leg? Do I need to screw in tighter that faith leg? What about my obedience leg? Lord, I gonna, we're going to need all three. I need all three to be able to deal with the darkness that is in this world. Lord, I need all three to please you. Your scripture says so. Your commands say so. And we know we need you, Lord. We need your protection, and we need you to help and guide us, Lord. As we go through our day, Lord, remind us, keep our focus on you. Show us your, show us your might, show us your mercy, and show us your love. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we give you all glory and honor. Amen. 
We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the Sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.